Shut up and sit down. When the Wind Blows is an education-inspired podcast bringing innovation to professional development. Welcome back to When the Wind Blows, an epic podcast for parents, teachers, leaders, and anyone vested in the world of education. My name is Erin Barnes, and I'm your weekly host, and uh, today we've got special guest Heather Ryden on. She is the co-host for Adaptability and Growth Mindset. Say hi, Heather. Hi. Thanks for having me, Erin. <laughs> I am so excited. Uh, you know, when you and I first talked about this podcast and it uh, kind of coming around, I asked, you know, do you have any ideas? And you said yes, and you went with Adaptability. Uh, and yeah, I, right off the bat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right <laughs> I threw growth mindset in there because I kind of think that they go together and growth mindset's a word, you know, the, the buzzword right now. But um, why did you suggest this episode or this topic? Well, obviously, um, all you have to do is look on Facebook or talk to your, your significant other in the evening or, you know, watch the news. Our Our climate right now is so unpredictable, um, you know, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's racial injustice or unemployment rates, um, teen suicide, uh, there, there are so many things coming at us so quickly. And if we don't adapt to this new landscape, this new environment that we find ourselves in, um, we're, we're not going to have a sustainable future. So adaptability, I think, and adopting that growth mindset, how do we navigate these uncharted waters, I think is just so important, not just for educators, but for anyone in business, for anyone really in, in today's world. Well, I don't want to get too far into the chat before I ask, um, Heather, how did you get involved in education and then what brought you to Epic? So I'm an Oklahoman, born and bred. I went to um, school at Oral Roberts University here in Tulsa, um, majored in public relations and advertising. So communications field, that was that was my jam. Um, my husband and I owned a photography business. We filmed and um, took pictures at weddings for years. Uh, then I had a family and being gone on weekends and in the evenings just was not, not fit. And you know, after a couple of years in that industry, um, I just found myself getting kind of burnt out. Like there was something more. I wanted to be part of something bigger. And although somebody's special day is obviously important, I wanted to have a lasting impact. And so I went back to all the experiences that I had had and tried to pinpoint what what were the times in my life that I felt most fulfilled? And it was going on mission trips and working with students um, on those trips and building curriculum around um, some of the things that we were working on in these orphanages and these villages. And um, I just couldn't help but think that maybe teaching was my thing. So I got alternatively certified and uh, have been in education for the last decade. Wow. And uh, so how long with Epic and why Epic? So this is my seventh year with Epic and I've taught from public school to private school. And, you know, I, I loved every place that I was in, but I couldn't help, but just 
really get curious about what Epic was doing. Um, they were on the cutting edge and I really felt like this is the way education is going and I, I want to jump on board. It's exciting. I want to be part of this and the types of students and families they get to work with, it just seemed meaningful and exciting and I couldn't help but, but join in the fun. That's awesome. And gosh, even more this year, is it necessary uh, than it has ever been before? Uh, I mean, it's been obviously so many people have found value last year. What we were at 30,000 students Mm -hmm. at the end. So, I mean, it's not just the pandemic, obviously. Um, We're a school for all kinds of people that felt like they needed something else. Uh, But the pandemic is definitely coming around and we're seeing a spike in growth and and so, yeah, this school is, is, uh, I don't, I don't even know if there's a word to describe what we're about to see this year, not just Epic, but all schools this year. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uncharted territory. And I, I think even before we saw that increase, I mean, we were talking about this topic even before then. Oh yeah. So it, it's even more relevant just two weeks later, three weeks later, whenever that was. The pace of change is on the rise. And I think really the problem is you adapt or you fail. And um, I want to be part of the solution. I don't know about, you know, other educators. I I want to make sure that, that we are meeting the needs of students. And I think in doing that, we have to find a sustainable way of, of doing education in a different way. So just for you know, grins, I grabbed the definition of adaptability and I grabbed the definition of growth mindset based on what Google had to say. And, you know, they bleed together different, um, different definitions, but adaptability is the quality of being able to adjust to new conditions or the capacity to be modified, uh, for new use or purpose, um, which, I mean, everybody needs it right now. (laughs) Oh yeah. And then growth mindset. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Growth mindset is um, a set of assumptions, methods, or uh, notations held by a person or a group of people that arise out of a worldview or philosophy of life. Happiness and grit. Uh, you know, these are these are all things that kind of play into growth mindset. So when I think about the pace of change, and I think about the idea of adaptability. Um, I, I keep going back to this book that I've been reading by John Cotter. It's called Leading Change. And he, in it, lays out a, an eight-step process or framework that organizations uh, can adopt in, in trying to become sustainable. But at the very end, he, he comes down to two ideas, two simple ideas. And he basically says, the only way that we are able to adapt and um, and embrace for this this pace, this pace of change, um, is through leadership. And these leaders need to be creative. They need to be different leaders than we've seen in the past. They have to have two things. One, competitive drive, uh, which leads to uh, a willingness to develop new skills, develop new capabilities, and to adopt um, a growth mindset and, and embrace lifelong learning. Um, and it's through that that these leaders can really carry us into the to the next um, century. I mean, it is it's going to be through these leaders that they cast that vision and help bring people along and and help them feel secure in in this crazy environment we find ourselves in. So how do we do that? Like, how do we develop as leaders so that we can be the ones to cast that vision and bring people along with us? And 
I think the beauty of Epic is we have an incredible mission. We have a very clear vision of, of what what we are here for. Um, and, and that's probably the main thing that brought me to this school to begin with, you know, creating an individualized, um, you know, plan for each and every student based on where they are and partnering with families in that effort to, um, to fill the need that they, you know, specifically have their unique challenges, their unique opportunities. So when I think about like growth mindset and how I, my personal role, uh, plays into this, I just think about really living with intention. I have to create space for that consistent daily incremental change through reading books, listening to podcasts, just like this. Um, but not just taking in all that information. What do you do with it at that point? You have to apply it. You have to seek feedback from other people and figure out ways to have a good level of self-awareness, um, and, and really be able to collaborate and, and, and draw on the strengths of others, have an open mind. Um, and so anyways, that's, that's why I picked this topic. That's, that's where I'm kind of going with it. And I, I think if we all can just commit to developing, um, in our leadership skills, um, that we can kind of unite and rally together to, to take this to the next level. I, Love that. And you are so good at your explanation with that. Do you think, however, when, um, I mean, just say parents listening to this episode, uh, when they're listening, do you think they say, well, Epic's got good leadership, you know, I'm glad they're doing that. Do you think that they don't see themselves as leaders? Uh, because honestly, I mean, with the, the way our school is set up, they drive most of the time with their kiddos. Do you think that we should teach our, 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 not our, I mean, our teachers need it as well, but our parents like, Hey, you're the leader of this and you know, Mm -hmm. we're partners and we're leading this challenge together. Um, I just, I think that we should all look for ways to be leaders in this change in this area. Uh, and I mean, just case in point, I'm thinking of new fandangled math, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> everybody's like, well, that's not the way I learned it. And I was that parent too, as soon as, uh, gosh, I think Tate was in third or fourth grade when I finally was like, okay, I actually don't know what they're talking about. And am I really not capable of third grade math? And it's just with the way the standards have kind of evolved over the years, I had to, instead of take that attitude, especially taking that attitude in front of her, um, have the ability to hold it in and Mm -hmm. find the solution myself before moving forward versus tainting maybe even her view of math, um, you know, and and what, uh, what it looks like and, and basically not giving her an excuse of, well, it's just different and I can't do it. Or mom's never going to be able to help me with this. So I kind of think as, as people are listening to this, I want to empower parents and teachers to be the leaders of uh, change and to be the leaders in this adaptability and growth mindset when it revolves around our students. Yeah. And I think we do that by being that model, embodying that mindset and you know, it's inspiring for others to see and they'll adopt that themselves. And, you know, it's important for us to set that example for students, but you're completely right. Um, Setting that example for parents as the primary educators in their home, I think is 
just as important or probably more important. Um, and I love the word empower there. I, I think that there is a fine balance between empowerment, um, and really kind of that enabling, um, that, that we see, um, at times and, you know, we want the best for our kids. We love our kids, but, uh, I think there's that fear that maybe we're not doing enough or maybe we don't want them to experience that pain or that challenge, but, um, they have to have some of that. They have to have that failure and experience that challenge in order to get past it and to know that they're capable of that. And so modeling that for families is, is hugely important. So I remember, um, that flash forward from third grade or fourth grade, wherever she was to fifth grade, Tatum was working with fractions, decimals, and percents. And, mm-hmm. you know, at that, at that grade, um, it's really easy to think in tenths because 10 tens is a hundred. And, and so I tried to say, you know, I tried to move it into like rhythmic, um, chanting a little bit, like, what are we like working with? And she'd like, she'd yell out tenths. And, and so, um, rather than get bogged down into why does this have to be this? And this is that. And, and it was teaching in a different kind of way. We, we looked at it and made kind of a game out of it. And she Mm -hmm. really kind of overcame, she was in a bad place when she came to me, like, I just don't get this. And just kind of just changing the way we were talking about it really helped her. And now she like loves fractions, decimals, and percents. And I think some of that came with realizing that multiplication is huge in fractions, decimals, and percents, but also like, oh, I can do this because we just move it to a 10th or we move it, you know, uh, where we need to move it and then find our answer. And it really helped her, um, you know, this, the growth mindset thing, we could have, I could have easily fallen into the same trap of, you know, uh, yeah, you don't really need this. And then actually we went to the mall to use it, like to use it and put it into place. And that was even well, more throw fun. shopping in there. Talk about yeah. motivation. Oh, yeah. And so, <laughs> um, you know, just finding new ways to do it versus saying, well, this is what's in front of you. We got to get it done. You know, uh, I think helps set the tone for that growth mindset. Like I can do this. And, and actually fractions, decimals, and percents are going to be a major part of my life because every time I go here or there, Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, it was, it was huge. I love hearing about what you did to kind of create a different approach for Tatum and how that made that more relevant for her. Um, and I think that's the the awesome thing about what we as educators and as teachers here at Epic, what we're able to do. Uh, We have lower roster counts, which means we have more space to be able to really adapt a a student's lesson plan and, and kind of curriculum overview to try to make those modifications and make it relevant. I think our greatest, but most honest challenge is is how do we make this education plan fit this particular student? What makes them tick? What's, what's exciting for them, you know, over the years, Erin, I know you are a big project-based learning kind of gal. And, um, but I, what I loved about that the most is you really got to know that student and build that relationship. And it was from that springboard that they were able to really connect to that learning and make it meaningful. And so, I think as teachers, as they develop that growth mindset and set that model for their students, 
Um, I think it's so exciting to see the implications of that. They're going to be able to really tweak and adjust and, um, you know, really create a, a solid learning plan that, that really will truly connect to the core of who that student is. And we don't have just this year. We get them next year and the year after that, and we get to see them, you know, progress and have that incremental change year over year after year. And um, it's just that that's the, the exciting part about being in this model is we don't have that opportunity in a lot of other places. And so, um, yeah, this this goes to all levels, adaptability and growth mindset. I mean, it's, it's at an individual level. It's for teachers. It's for students. It's for parents. It's for administrators. And um, I think it really can change the trajectory of the direction that, that our organization goes. Well, and I don't know if you remember Ben's speech last week, but he was talking mm-hmm. about the solution to helping these kids a lot of times. It, it lies in their stories of why they're here. And yeah. so I think especially around adaptability and being able to mold to our environment and our circumstances for parents, for teachers, you know, um, when you're working with a kiddo and we've identified this is the curriculum we're going to use this year and this is um, how often we're going to meet and Mm -hmm. then you hit a benchmark and you're like, okay, that plan isn't working. Let's change that plan. I think that we have to, I mean, especially in that ILP time, but throughout the year, Uh, remember that everything we do is to grow that kiddo. And if we're not seeing growth, then it's time to to pivot the plan. And it's really easy to get set in a schedule. And then when that plan time, you know, comes to change, people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But you said we were going to, yeah. Don't rock the boat. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, But, but we have to be adaptable in this model uh, because Mm -hmm what we're looking for is growth. And if we don't see it, or if it's not present in not just the hard data, but the heart data in those conversations and such, mm-hmm. then we, it's time to shift the, the game plan. You know, we have grown at the rate of 50 to 60% every year we've been around. Every single year. Every single year. I- how many organizations or schools or businesses can say that? And it's just, it's incredible. That's that's huge. We enrolled 3000 students last week. There are (laughs) the, the, the district that my oldest is going to right now doesn't have a thousand students in the building. You know, no other school can do that. And then say you want to add an, an additional thousand students to that little building and they've got the room. Let's pretend that the school is big enough. Um, how do you, how do you do what you need to do with brand new teachers, with brand new curriculum, with brand new, um, you know, initiatives without really kind of disrupting the boat. And, you know, when we were small, I think year one, we had 1100 people and I'm just throwing that number out, it, it sounds about right. We had 1,100 students in the school. And now we're looking at starting this year with, with probably close to 36 or 37,000 students. Mm-hmm. You know, we used to be able to turn that boat around in a week, no problem. Now it takes months if you want to start something new and just... Being a part of the I'm giving into 
uh, adaptability, you know, to I'm, I'm giving into this, I need to be adaptable. It just it, it helps that boat move a little bit faster. It really does. We're a cruise liner now. <laughs> that process, openness to feeling uncomfortable. Um, and I think that's where we get some opposition a lot of times. Oh, yeah. Is because people are afraid of change for one. They get very comfortable where they're at. And that's for people inside the organization and all of the people that we work with on a daily basis, students and their families. Change is hard and it's it's frustrating and um, it's uncomfortable, but the more that we are open to that and we embrace that, um, that that's how we serve people well. That's how uh, that's how we win. And I, I'm competitive. I, I like to win, um, but for in this model, winning is, is student success and student growth, and it's awesome to see that. To know that a kid goes from point A to point B, and then next year C is just way down the road. Like they're just soaring. They're taking off. Uh, it wouldn't have happened if we didn't have families partner with us that were open to that, that initial stage that was really uncomfortable. Um, and I, I think that's where relationship comes in, like building solid, deep relationships with your family. So they trust you in that process. And we can ha- kind of build that, uh, what, you know, psychological safety, if you will, to, to go through that together and, and to trust one another, to, to get your student where they need to be. Um, and provide that accountability that's so needed um, to partner with us in achieving that objective. So, well, and one of the things that it just dawned on me, um, you know, in this conversation is I did uh, in grad school a couple of years ago, I had a project where we had to identify a set of kids and then make a plan for how we were going to grow these kids. And mm-hmm. so, uh, Devin Nutsman is like our numbers genius around here, right? Like he, oh, he's incredible. <laughs> I want to be him when I grow up. I know. Like, uh, <laughs> can you just teach me your ways in Excel? Um, but he helped me with some of the, the digging, uh, because I wanted to identify, you know, second and third graders who were going to be third and fourth graders next year. Mm-hmm. How do we help them grow? How do we help them? And it, we identified once we had, to, we had to peel the layers back and peel the layers back to find growth. Honestly, we found that it takes about three years. Um, and, and that's, uh, a student who has been with us for three years, who also has had a teacher who has been with us for three years to find exponential growth. And that's mm-hmm. huge. I mean, we had 10,000 students join Epic last year. 10,000. Right. <laughs> right. That was our, I mean, that was the biggest year of growth, no doubt. We hired, what, 600 teachers last year? Yeah, at least 550 from what I remember, okay. 550 to 600 overall. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about setting expectations and meeting the needs of kids and also finding growth that 10,000 kids, um, there are going to be outliers for sure, but that Mm -hmm. 10,000 kids won't see the type of growth that I was looking for until they hit year three. And, and so not, I mean, it's going to be a hard sell saying, Hey buddy, I know you made A's and B's at your old school. And now that you're here, you're going to probably make B's and C's because the virtual curriculum is not forgiving. I mean, in a, in a classroom, I could look at a student's process 
and say, you know what? You had it all right until about here. Here's where you made your mistake. I'm, I'm going to give this back to you. Go do it again. Right. Mm-hmm. With the digital yes. curriculum, I get a graded assignment and I don't get to see where their process was. And so the answer's just wrong. Well, parents, I, I mean, and if I didn't do this research, I'd be one of them. Um, you know, why are we making B's and C's when we were straight A students? That's something we're going to have to set an expectation for. Mm-hmm. Why should I stick around for three years to see actual growth? That's something we're going to have to set an expectation for and let these people know. Listen, not only do we teach you this year's standards, because that's what we by law need to do, but we're also going to be filling in these gaps from the years past. And so it's going to look maybe not as beneficial in year one, but year two, you're going to find it's way different. Year three, hold on to your hats, buddy, because it's coming. And And that's where the idea of compounded growth comes in. Yes. And And this comes with a student and their educational plan. And it also nods back to that growth mindset that we talked about and that self-development, this idea of compounded growth where you really get in, do the nitty gritty, that daily commitment to that change. Um, You know, your return on your investment is going to be so much greater if you have that consistency and that buy-in so that we don't falter. Yeah. Uh, any other ideas around this topic before we head out? No, I just, you know, I'm just, I'm really excited about this year. So I don't know excited. about you, Aaron, but I just feel like something is in the air. And I think this is going to be the year of all years for us to really unite with others in our community who are in situations they never dreamed that they would be in. We get to partner with them, even if it's just for a year, and say, hey, we understand. We've been there. Let's adapt a curriculum to make sure that no matter what happens in this world, we can partner with you to ensure that your student is going to grow this year. Um, So I I, I think we just have a really special opportunity to shine and um, to really connect with those in our communities. So I'm super excited. My teachers feel it. We are ready. We are ready to serve these families. And I, I can't, I can't wait to get started. Thank you so much, Heather, for joining us. Of course, of course, anytime. Well, that's all we have for today. If you like what you heard, go ahead and hit the like button, subscribe and uh, leave a comment if you want. Uh, tune in next week where we are rethinking how leadership and education can better prepare a next generation for a rapidly evolving world. Thank you.